This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Thursday, August 13th, wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with Jerem Jordan, and we begin with a BYU football scheduling announcement. BYU Sports Nation breaking news. The BYU Cougars and Troy Trojans have agreed to a two-game scheduling agreement. This first year, 2020, September 26th at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, BYU will return the game to Troy in the year 2026. And September 5th specifically. So BYU has a fourth game on the schedule now. This is the second game of the season. BYU now has two in September, one in October, and one in November. So I, I like this game. The connection with Troy is this. Ryan Pugh, former BYU offensive line coach, is the offensive coordinator at Troy. Troy went 5-7 and seven last year under new head coach Chip Lindsley. And uh, second season now, BYU and Troy will play on September 26th. So a group of five team in Troy that BYU is going to match up with. Sunbelt, correct? Sunbelt Conference, correct. So AAC, Sunbelt, AAC, FCS. Big South Conference. So this is the schedule so far for BYU. I do like the idea of going there in the South, right, in 2026. That's fine. Um, now we have four games. Now we have four games. And, and obviously uh, uh, Jeff Grimes and Ryan Pugh in that relationship probably was the connector for BYU in this. And it'll be good to see Ryan Pugh. He's the former center for Auburn with Cam Newton when they won the national title over Oregon. Did a great job in his one season at BYU as the offensive line coach. And elevated up to uh, a group of five OC. So they're looking to improve after a down year. Didn't make a bowl game last year. But BYU has more games. And there is hope even if we don't play these games. And we don't know that because scheduling and playing is different. But there is a hope associated with seeing another team on the schedule. Dang it. Dang it. Because we're fighting to play right now. And scheduling is the first thing you need to do. So I love seeing that there's another team on the schedule. I fully expect several more games to happen in the next week, week and a half for BYU football. There's a chance this could be the BYU football home opener based on what BYU is able to throw together. They're opening the season right now on September 7th, a Monday night at Navy, September 26th, hosting Troy. We kind of thought BYU would be on the road for a few weeks, especially if they were going to schedule a Power 5 opponent because that was mandated. It had to be at the home side of the Power 5 school. We don't know if BYU is going to get a Power 5 opponent at all now because we're learning more that the Big 12 is opting to go with what SportsCenter called last night cupcake openers and not play a team like BYU. But, hey, the Cougars have a home game in September. The Troy Trojans, and I know some of you are saying, who? Troy is a program that has come a long way in the last 15 years, and they have become one of the respected power teams in their specific conference. Neil Brown won 10, 11, and 10 games, 2016 through 2018. They they have been ranked. And and he he jumped from there to another uh, school. I dare say that the Troy Trojans may have been ranked more weeks than BYU has over the last 10 years they've, altogether. They, they've done a nice job um, those those three seasons. A little bit of a struggle before that. Had a nice run kind of end of the 2000s, right, where they were at least eight-plus for a while. But 
The the point isn't even necessarily Troy. It's that BYU games. has another game. Games. And I I'm hoping BYU schedules at least eight games. I would love to see ten on there because I fully expect there to be games canceled because of positive tests on either side. I expect that. What I'd love to see is I don't think it's that realistic, but what I'd love to see is BYU schedule twelve over like a fifteen week span. Go into the second or third week of December. Play road games in warmer climates where it'd still be tolerable. Don't schedule a December game in Provo per se, but it depends how desperate you are. I want to see at least eight games on the schedule. Because right now, BYU is a loner in the West. And I love it. And they're literally the only FBS team that is going to try and play three-plus games west of Texas. BYU's the only team. And I I love that BYU has still... At practice every day. They are trying to play. They have not given up on the season. And we thought being an independent was a uh, negative thing a couple weeks ago. Right now, BYU being independent means they still have a chance to play. Independence is working. BYU has three home games now. Troy, Houston, and North Alabama. The one road game at Navy. It's home heavy. It's home heavy right now. Three of the four. Do we think BYU is going to have an undefeated season based on this four-game schedule? <laughs> they got a shot. Navy's going to be a tough game. Troy is a winnable game. Houston Houston has a lot of good talent. They went 4-8 and, and then North Alabama. I don't know, Jerem. Troy is, looks is, like a trap game. If BYU beats Navy, they come off an emotional high, and 19 days later, they might still be riding high. <laughs> well, then they have three weeks later, Houston. <laughs> And then they'll have five weeks for North Alabama. So I think BYU will be well-rested. They have the mission age advantage. I think we need to bust out the Quest for Perfection t-shirts again. I love it. I think it's time. It is worth noting that New Mexico State has canceled their fall football season. The WAC sports have said no to fall. So another independent that BYU maybe could have played is off the radar entirely. Yeah, and and in – and in theory, it's interesting that those are connected because if the WCC cancels, that doesn't affect BYU's independent football program, right? Because they are an independent, so the WAC saying something, it's like, well, we're not in the WAC in football. So um, that's interesting to hear that they couldn't play anyway if they wanted. I know the New Mexico governor is like, do not play sports, please. But we thought they could be a, an option for BYU. Still interested to hear if BYU is going to get any Power 5 um, Opportunities. Iowa State scheduled a game with Arkansas State yesterday, so that's off the table. Kansas appears to perhaps have an open date. I, you know, at at this point, I'm like, hey, if you get one Power Five, that'd be great. I was hoping for two, but even if BYU doesn't, and it's a rash of Sun Belt, Conference USA, and AAC teams to fill out the remainder of the schedule, great. I, I'd be fine if it was all AAC. Great. The, the fact that BYU does have Troy on there and does have North Alabama, that's fine. I I just want to play football. I just want to play football. We should mention that Dixie also said they are postponing their football season as well. They wanted to play, but they're not playing. So they're off the power rankings in the West too, Jerem. Yeah, we'll get to that a little bit later. The FBS Western <laughs> Power Rankings, it is a, a lonely list. Uh, we applied for credentials, not kidding, to the BYU-Navy game because we're getting close. In fact, how close? Countdown to Navy. 25 days. I had no idea what the number was. 25 days away. That's how close we are. Good job. You've been carrying the show since 2013. Thank you. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I, there's so much juice with a scheduling announcement. And, and, again, I've said this before. I've, I've mocked this process, but it's different in a pandemic. Is, gosh, we celebrate the announcements more than we do the games. We should celebrate the games more than the announcements. But when we don't even know if we're going to play, an announcement is like a game. 
an announcement is like a game win <laughs> because it creates hope that we're actually going to play. Because you know who isn't playing? Like everybody else in the West. So it's nice to at least see BYU trying to do this, unlike the Pac-12 and Big Ten, because I'm sad they're not playing, but it's like, all right, let's go. Buckle up. And BYU is every stinking day at practice with the literal chin strap and a new covering underneath the face mask to try to do this. With splash shields on their helmets. It's too descriptive for me. <laughs> We've got a loaded show, and it's, it kind of feels like the opening kickoff was just run back for a touchdown. Like at the they, beginning Stacey of the Corley like, against yeah! Air, Stacey Corley against Started Air Force? Started off with the bang, yes. Yeah. Two kickoff returns in the same that's game. Pre- that's pretty crazy. Yeah, we featured that earlier this week. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to keep it rolling. Um, obviously, everything is fluid with uh, fall sports. That doesn't just impact football, but basketball. Utah, their athletic director, Mark Harlan, he's working with BYU to apparently try and get the game that BYU lost with the Utes in 2020 back sometime in early 2021 can they do that apparently they're trying to work it out plus my one-on-one with BYU passing game coordinator Aaron Roderick when is he going to pick a starting quarterback I thought they already had their starting quarterback wait a minute and we will interview the best player to ever wear number 85 at BYU he is responsible for one of the most iconic plays not just in BYU history but in college football history clay brown will join I've the program always wanted to talk to clay brown never we never have i've never have and uh this will be fun, man. We have a lot to uh, discuss with them. Jerem, get your power rankings for FBS teams in the West I'm, ready. I'm ready. Update those right now. We'll get to that later. <laughs> takes a lot of coordination. All right, let's get to uh, the rest of today's headlines. UA fall camp continues. Cougars prepare for Navy, now Troy. Yesterday's practice was shorter but reportedly more intense where quarterbacks threw a lot in seven-on-seven and full-team session. Quarterback coach Aaron Roderick updates the competition for starter. I've been giving those guys all equal reps so far, and that won't last forever, but I want to make sure that everyone in this program sees all three of those guys compete, you know, and I'll ultimately make the decision, but I I think it's important that all the players in the program know that all those guys got a fair shot, and the body of work speaks for itself. Roderick will join us in about five minutes. College football insider and writer Phil Steele releases his college football position unit rankings for the 2020 season. Of note, BYU and their quarterbacks come in at number 24. The offensive line, not surprisingly, at number 16, the highest rated position group of any in the Phil Steele rankings, at least according to BYU. The defensive line in at 56, linebackers, they're deep. They got that depth, number 36. The other position units were not listed in Steele's top 59. After the Utah men's basketball game was canceled Tuesday with the Pac-12 postponing all sports until January 1st, Utah Athletic Director Mark Harlan says he has reached out to BYU to reschedule the game, according to the Deseret News. Uh, they could, in theory, you know, just do it in early January. It depends how... This could work with BYU's schedule, whether they're in league play and just get it in on a, a Monday or Tuesday if you always play on a Thursday, Saturday. So we'll see. I would like to see Utah on the schedule. Absolutely. In January sometime. Please. Just if they, I, I thought it was just off the table. 
So if they can work yeah, it in. It, it could just be postponed. We'll love it. Okay, let's make it work. Some golf news. Carson Lundell of BYU Men's Golf still rocking it at the U.S. Men's Amateur in Oregon. He advances to the second round, the 22nd seeded Lundell, defeating his international opponent out of Thailand in 19 holes. Some drama there. He'll face Hunter Wolcott of Dixon, Tennessee today. If Lundell wins today's match, playing the round of 16 this afternoon. How about that? Nice job by Carson. That's awesome. So question of the day part two uh, is how many games do you want to see on the BYU schedule and why? Uh, at Zach Miller. Seems like a silly question. I feel like the only answer is as many as possible. Um, so how many games do you want to see on the schedule? At least 10. At least 10? Yes. So six more. Just because Do, do you I, want it, the season to go into early December? That's the only way this could potentially work, in my opinion. Sure, yeah. Like you have to have a couple of bye weeks. Yeah, exactly. Like three there, or four. there have to be some already scheduled bye weeks. And then if you could schedule 12 games, great. And just bank on the fact that Two or three, maybe four of those are pushed back because of COVID outbreaks or whatever. But at that point, you're still playing eight. Even if you canceled four, you scheduled 12, you canceled four, you still play eight games. Yeah, I, I think realistically we get in four to six. That's like a super uneducated guess, of course. But I, I hope that, uh, which are most of my guesses, I, I hope that we see at least eight. Or 10. I don't think there's any way we're seeing 12. You just gave us the title of our show today. That's a super uneducated guess. Yeah, yeah. most of what I provide on this <laughs> program. Oh, this doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, Troy Beagley on Facebook. As normal a season as we can give our boys, they deserve to play as many games as we can get. Look, the hope of having a game is strong. Hope is a powerful emotion. That was the ticket that Barack Obama ran on, and it worked in 08, right? Hope is a powerful thing. And seeing Troy on the schedule provides a certain feeling that is very... Contrast what you feel right now versus what you felt Tuesday when the Pac-12 and Big Ten canceled. I thought, oh, no, oh, no. But right now, and this can change, right now feels like we're playing and we're going to play a couple games. We're at least going to try. That's all you can do. If you can't control whether they cannot play later due to COVID, well, to a certain degree, yes, but to a certain degree, no, right? The opponent could provide a cancellation of the game with a positive test. But you have to schedule games to play the games. So here we go. And this is probably long overdue, but a shout-out to the BYU medical personnel and the staff, Carolyn Billings specifically, who are they, – they have created a scenario at BYU specifically where they feel safe and monitored. And that's a big reason why President Kevin Worthen and Athletic Director Tom Homo feel so confident about pushing things forward. They've been going since June. Yes. BYU's been one of the earliest, if not the earliest, team that's been doing voluntary workouts. And, you know, they haven't reported on positive tests, but naturally you'd think they would have had positive tests, right? And, uh, you know, you go from there. But BYU is prepared. BYU is ready to play on September 7th. And they're not waiting around. They're not, what did they say? BYU is practicing to play. And I love the proactivity of BYU. Whether we can actually play and have a full season, that's a different discussion. But you can only control what you can control. And I really appreciate, one, that BYU is prepared. But, two, I said this yesterday. Listen, the Board of Trustees at some point could have said, you know what, not safe, liability, whatever. No, they haven't said that yet. They haven't said that. They may not say it at all. I'm hoping that's the case. We're trying to play football, and that is an awesome thing. The injection of life with the scheduling announcement these days is real. And we're just getting going. Okay, coming up, which position group does Phil Steele have as the Cougars' highest rated, and do we agree? Yeah, uh, we just gave that information, so the quiz is coming later. (laughs) And my one-on-one with Aaron Roderick. When's he going to name a starting quarterback, and how will his play-calling role change, if at all, this season? This is BYU Sports Nation. 
BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. You want to go deep? Go with Deep Blue. 23 of these on the BYU TV app. And by the way, if there's no football season, we still have 12 Deep Blues coming your way. We've, we've shot them. We're working on them right now. First one uh, is going to air September 1st. They never we, disappoint. I, I told the producer of that, Travis Moore, I said, you're going to produce more Deep Blues and BYU will play games. And that's fine. Let's go. <laughs> oh, energy high. BYU Troy, September 26th in Provo. The Cougars now have four games on the 2020 slate, and we think that will grow mightily in the next week. We are live in Studio B. This is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Yesterday I had the opportunity to speak with BYU passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach Aaron Roderick over Zoom on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. We discussed anything and everything relevant to his pass throwers. And when is he going to name a starter? The OG A-Rod, BYU SNL access right now. Always a pleasure when I get to speak with the OG A-Rod. Are you still on board for that? Can we still call you the original A-Rod? Yeah, man, Greg Rebell gets credit for that one. That was That's going back a little bit. Hey, we're not overlooking where the past really began. That's, uh, that's good stuff. Okay, let's start here. Uh, how would you explain the last week of your life as a BYU football coach amidst the carousel of college football cancellations and uncertainty? Um, honestly, it's been the most fun I've ever had in – to start fall camp. I, I really mean that. I think, I think this whole situation has taught all of us how much we need to appreciate this game because, you know, all of us know people who uh, didn't get to practice at all in spring ball and still haven't practiced this fall. I mean, there's, there's a good number of teams who haven't practiced since last season, you know, since last Thanksgiving or so, you know, and bowl teams maybe practiced – the end of December, but there's a lot of teams that haven't had a chance to play any football. And our guys, we got, fortunately, we got six practices in spring and we're up to eight or nine now. And um, just, we're just trying to enjoy one day at a time, one practice, you know, and, and literally, literally like boiling it down to every rep, like value every single rep you get and just focusing on ourselves, trying to, trying to hold ourselves to a really high standard. What specifically is happening that has made it so enjoyable in practices? Just the fact that, uh, you know, the game is, it's a, it's a fun game. You know, we've been playing it since we were kids. And when you consider the fact that, you know, a lot of things are in doubt, instead of worrying about what may or may not happen, we're just trying to really enjoy every day out there. And it's been lively. You'd, you'd think with all the, speculation and all the stuff that's going around that that maybe the guys might be like why are we out here and that's been it's been exactly the opposite it's been enthusiastic guys flying around just having fun Uh, this is the least amount of drudgery I've ever felt in a fall camp it's been really great and just like that we're essentially three and a half weeks away from the newly scheduled start to the season uh, at Navy Monday night football on ESPN how confident are you that a season opener will happen in Annapolis on September 7th? Um, I, I'm not even really looking that far ahead yet. I mean, it's out there and we want to play and, and Navy's an excellent football team. We have tons of respect for them right now. We're still in the, we're still in the mode of camp where it's just one practice at a time, 
let's get better at what we do. We're worrying about ourselves right now and trying to get our offense uh, installed and, and operating at a high level. And then as we get closer to that game, we'll, we'll, zero, we'll zero in more on that opponent. But right now it's just what's in front of me today. And I'm, I'm just trying to own the day, you know, just be great at it. Let's talk about camp and that offense that you are looking to install and, and perform uh, at a high level. Um, Kalani Satake was very complimentary specifically of uh, the offense when you went live uh, early in camp in the red zone. What are you doing in the red zone to make that facet of the game better? I'm not going to tell you that. <laughs> That's a fair no, we're, answer. We're, we're, just, we're disappointed last year in how many – trips we made into the red zone without getting touchdowns last year we were uh we got down there a lot and and um our scoring went up you know we were a better offense last year than two years ago but um we feel like we we left too many points out there and so we're we've it's been a huge focus the one thing i will say is we've practiced red zone uh in every single practice of this camp and you know most most camps i've been in in the past you practice red zone every two or three days, you know, something like that every, maybe every fourth day. Um, it's been an everyday thing in this camp and um, very confident that we have, uh, we've added a few things and we've fine tuned a few things that I think are going to, that are going to be productive for us. BYU passing game coordinator, quarterbacks, coach, offensive guru overall, Aaron Roderick with us on BYU Sports Nation. Uh, now we shift our attention to Zach Wilson and straight up, Compared to where he was at this point last year, coming off shoulder surgery, trying to get right, where is his game and help now one year later? Um, he's, yeah, he's improved in every area. I mean, this, it's the first real offseason he's had. So it's been nice to just be able to work out with the team in a normal manner. He's doing, you know, for, for a full offseason now, he's been to every workout that all the other players on the team did where a year ago he's riding a bike or something while everybody's lifting weights because his shoulder is messed up, you know, and uh, just, he's, he's big and strong. I mean, he looks, he, when you see him in person, he looks a lot different. Um, and he's just improved in every area. I mean, he's, he's uh, throwing the ball really well and he's making great decisions. And I think he's in, in improved in every area really. Um, and so, so have Jaron and Baylor. I mean, and you hope that that's the case with all your veteran players. I mean, I think, I think people are going to see that. The more football you play, the better you get. That's how it works. And we have a, an offense full of guys who are now in their third year as starters in this offense. And um, I think you're going to see a lot of veteran play from a number of guys this year, which uh, helps the quarterback look good. Jaron Hall is an interesting case because he clearly is capable and he's very athletic. Uh, yeah. What kind of plans do you have to use him outside of quarterback, if at all? Well, right now he's competing for the starting job with Zach and Baylor, and I've been giving those guys all equal reps so far, and that won't last forever, but I want to make sure that everyone in this program sees all three of those guys compete, you know, and I'll ultimately make the decision, but I, I think it's important that all the players – in the program know that all those guys got a fair shot and the body of work speaks for itself. And so we're in the process of that right now. And Jaron, yeah, he does a lot of exciting things. Um, 
And uh, I got to have all those guys ready because the only negative about those three guys is all three of them got hurt last year. Yeah. And so, yeah. and I've said that to them. I mean, that's just part of the deal. We have to, we have to be prepared for that scenario and, you know, knock on wood, I hope it doesn't happen, you know, but um, I have a responsibility to have guys ready to play if, if someone gets injured. When do you plan on announcing who will start the game at Navy? Um, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have a deadline right now, but we'll, it'll be, we'll make sure it's in plenty of time for whoever's starting to get a good amount of work against uh, Navy's defense, you know, our scout team running Navy's defense. So, um, but for right now, we're, we're, these are long practices. We're getting a lot of reps out there. I feel like there's enough work that those guys can all get a piece of the practice and, and, uh, and because they've all played, they've got all got veteran, you know, the veteran guys have played in games. Um, that experience is, helps as well. So I, I don't feel like I need to make that decision yet. Aaron, the mustache game is strong. Uh, how much does Coach Jeff Grimes impact that and your desire to uh, carry uh, such a strong mustache? You know, I think – I like to think that I'm the one that inspired Grimes to have a mustache. <laughs> I think he takes credit for starting it, but I'm pretty sure I'm the one that started that. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, no, we'll finish I, I, with this. I just like to mix it up. I get it. No, and I like it. I approve. Uh, we'll finish with this. Um, how is your role evolving along with Coach Grimes as the offensive coordinator with you being the pass game coordinator in calling plays? How, how will that evolve this year? Uh, we have great chemistry together. Third year, man, it's, you know, the longer a staff works together, the easier it gets. You're not starting from square one like, you know, each year. And we, we've got a great chemistry together. We put the whole game plan together each week. Um, as a staff, uh, Coach Grimes is awesome at including everyone and, and trying to draw from everyone's experience in the room. And we really have uh, multiple guys in the room that have coordinated offenses before and, and always add, add to things. So um, really the, the play calls are made Monday through Wednesday. And on Saturday, it's just somebody putting their finger on a box on a sheet of paper and just going to the, whatever the situation is and calling it. And that's, that's the easy part. It's the tough stuff is Monday through Wednesday, making those decisions. Okay. on this short yardage or this red zone play, what a situation, what are we going to go to? We make those all together. Well, we look forward to uh, you guys teaming up for that on September 7th against Navy. Shout out to the OG A-Rod for taking some time with us today. And the man who really implemented the mustache. Thanks, Aaron. <laughs> Thanks. Aaron Roderick on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Okay, he told some things. Um, one that he he is legitimately trying to give all three of the quarterbacks that started games and won games last year as starters mm-hmm. a, a shot to go out and prove themselves. Um, we both still think it's clearly going to be Zach Wilson. Yeah, I don't think that's a question, <sighs> barring injury. No, but uh, I did ask him about Jaron Hall, too. Like, okay, if Jaron's not starting quarterback, you plan on moving him around. And I don't see why Jeff Grimes would want to do anything differently than he did last year. with. with no, they need to be Jaren, ready. Right? They need to be ready, uh, just in case, right? Um, you, you, need, you need depth. And Buell has great depth at that position. Like, incredible depth. 
Um, you could argue that's some of the best depth BYU's had at quarterback in a long time. So that's awesome, man. Okay, coming up, we asked the best to wear 85 about his iconic moment in BYU history. And it's time for us to make some rash assumptions based on little snippets of video that we're getting from BYU football fall camp. We can see all. It's BYU Sports Nation. Prepare to be blue goggled. This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Yo, the BYU TV app is the place to watch some recent and old BYU sports games. Get your BOD fix on the BYU TV app. Not tomorrow, but today. He is Jaron Jordan. I'm Spencer Linton. Let's reset today's big news for BYU football. They announce a two-game series, football home and road, with Troy University, the Troy Trojans, game number one, September 26th of this year. Yes, 2020. It's game number four on the BYU schedule in Provo. Well, game two, but the fourth schedule. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Correct. Yeah. And September 5th, 2026, BYU will return that game at Troy. BYU now has six games lined up in 2026. You just tweeted out during the break, at Troy, Arizona, at Utah, at Virginia Tech, Boise State, and at Stanford. So Troy is the easiest game on the schedule. <laughs> and Troy, again, prior to last year, 5-7, and seven, they were a 10 or 11-win team the previous three years. Yeah. This is the best team in the Sun Belt the last four years. App State has become that team in that league since they upgraded from FCS to FBS. But uh, nice, nice to have more games, which is fantastic. There are only four independents now that have not canceled their seasons at the FBS level. Notre Dame, who has a scheduling agreement with the ACC. Which they're essentially an ACC member for this year. Right. You know what I mean? BYU, Liberty, and Army. Yeah. And I don't see any of those four canceling prior to the season. Makes I you think wonder. They will all play. Will BYU schedule Liberty and Army by necessity? Yeah, I, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, I'm hoping for more AAC, however. Okay. Speaking of uh, pertinent questions, it's time to whip it. Okay, Utah Athletic Director Mark Harlan says they've already reached out to BYU about the possibility of rescheduling the men's basketball game. It'd have to be in January on. Do you want to see that game rescheduled, and if so, when? One million percent yes. I thought it was entirely off the table. But if they can work it out so that it's kind of interspersed with conference play and make that happen and do something unprecedented, yes. I'd love to see it in January. In fact, if they postpone the season and start conference play later, great. Play all the non-cons in January, then get into the West Coast Conference. All right, Jerem, Phil Steele, College Football Insider, ranks BYU's offensive line as the 16th best O-line in the entire country. Is the offensive line clearly the best position group at BYU? I think they are the best. I think the deepest is quarterback because they're three deep at that position, albeit a volume of three. The offensive line is the best because according to Pro Football Focus, and I really validate and they have a ton of credibility in my mind, is they say James Empey and Brady Christensen are two of the top 10, 20 offensive linemen in the country. So, absolutely. And all the juniors and seniors that are back, literally BYU returns all but one player from that group from last year. And they're good. It looks like, on paper, the most experienced group overall, top to bottom, that Kalani Satake has had. Maybe not the most talented, right? because then you're fighting with Taysom and Jamal. Right. But very experienced. Levahifa is reportedly in Arizona for a tryout with the Cardinals. Can you see Eleva playing on Sunday in red? Uh, this is the only acceptable 
way that uh, a player that went to BYU can uh, be seen in red, and that is when you go to the NFL. Daniel Sorensen with the Kansas City Chiefs. Sure, Alevi Hifo in red. Alevi Hifo, to me, is a good enough and a unique enough player with his return abilities and punt return and kick return game, special teams, and slot capabilities that he could work his way into a practice squad and just maybe find a niche in the NFL. He had a positive COVID test, by the way, in Kansas City. Got cut uh, two weeks ago and now is trying with Arizona. Good for him. I'm excited to hear about Austin Lee and Mike Simon as well. Let's see what happens with him. All right, Jaron. Purdue head coach Jeff Brom proposed a basic structure for an eight-game spring season and then a 10-game fall season to follow it up. A lot of questions about, well, is there going to be enough time to turn it around? Is this something that BYU should look into Maybe playing a couple of games in the spring as well. I've always wondered why people didn't just play some exhibitions. Why play Ninja Squad? Why not play a couple of games? Other sports do. Yeah. Why not against an BYU plays an FCS team or two in the spring? Why not? I don't see why not. Women's soccer has a spring schedule. Most people play exhibitions at some point, right? Uh, Football does not. All right, Jerem. We've been waiting for this one. Fantastic show today, including the first edition of BYU Football Fall Camp Rash Assumptions presented by Bodyguards Protection for a Life Worth Living. Learn more at Bodyguards.com. Let's set the stage. So we can't go to fall camp and give you our own rash assumptions in person. So what we're going to do now is going to play some highlights on loop. We're going to break down what we see and we're going to make rash assumptions based on a couple of clips about these situations. Let us begin with fourth string quarterback Soljay Mayava connecting with Matt Bushman. Let's check it out. Let's make some rash assumptions. Okay, Matt Bushman is the greatest tight end in college football. (laughs) Based on this single play. I like Mayava's ball, and I like the fact that he's finding Matt Bushman. That's smart for fresh. It's the tightest spiral in the history of BYU football. Also, ball security is awesome for Matt Bushman. Okay, second play. This is Baylor Romney to Neil Pau. He's back, baby. Neil Pau is going to catch a 1,000 yards worth of footballs this season. <laughs> I don't even know how to understand that sentence. Um, I'm very excited for Neil. I think he's an underrated piece of the receiving core. I think people have literally forgotten that he's on the team. He's going to be a top receiver on this group. Also, Baylor Romney's... High point release. Yeah, you pointed it's this out yesterday. It's got to be top 15 oh, it's number in the one. country, dude. It's number one based on rash assumptions. It's so high. I love it. Next. Lopini Katoa rushing the ball. Now, when you don't actually tackle, the running backs look unbelievable. Untouched to the 21-yard line. Yes. Nice hole. Good. That's a first down BYU's right there. BYU's offensive line is at least top four in the country based on this oh, play, not just number 16. Okay, I think Lopini will be the number one back, though. I really do. I think he's the incumbent starter. Tyler Algier is pushing him for sure. Yes, he is. Next up, how about this? Jaron Hall to Gunnar Romney! Oh, flying down the field. Gunnar Romney could be the number one receiver on this team. I, I think he's got potential. I think we've been waiting for him to do this. And, uh, you know, I'm not exactly sure who number five is on the defense because they've not... What's the last it's name right there? It's not Diane Gunwolik. It's definitely not Diane. He wouldn't get burned by a gunner <laughs> He's like that. in Los Angeles. Okay, and another deep ball. This time to Romney again. Oh, but from Zach Wilson. And the same defender. Who's the, that defender? The starting job was given to Jaron Hall until Zach Wilson threw this. Yeah, that's a rash assumption. I like that. That wasn't a touchdown. The other one was. I like Zach looking off to safety. By the way, he gets the one-on-one. Throws to the right. This is what Tua Tungvaluwa did in the national title game against Georgia. To get that nice ball, by the way, right into the soft, feathery hands of Gunnar Romney. 
Those are your rash assumptions. So rash. Okay, we're going to start football fall camp. We're going to bring you highlights and make rash assumptions from every fall camp practice we get footage from. <laughs> okay, coming up, coaches on bike. What and, wisdom do they impart today? And a legendary version of the best to wear it at number 85, Clay Brown. Yep, the guy who caught the Miracle Bowl pass is going to join us for the first time ever on this show, this BYU Sports Nation. Can't wait. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. The best of BYU Sports Nation airs Saturdays at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific. That's assuming there was best content on BYU Radio, and it's on the podcast feed featuring the best conversations and interviews each week. We think our next guest will be featured in the show. He should be. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation in Studio B as we bring on the best to wear it. We're counting up to 99, one number each show as we reveal the best athletes to wear each digit in Provo. Today, all about number 85. Let's go. It's Clay Brown. Clay Brown is one of the great players in BYU history. Obviously known for a certain play, which we'll get to in a moment, but played from 76 to 80. He's on some of the best teams in BYU history. I mean, he's playing with Giff, he's playing with Mark Wilson, he's playing with Jim McMahon. In 1980, he had an incredible season. 48 catches, 1,009 yards, 15 touchdowns. Honorable mention All-American in 79, third-team All-American in 80, two-time All-WAC first-teamer. People don't really know this, but he actually led the nation in punting in 79. 45 a kick. How about that? Maybe he was one that taught Jim McMahon how to punt. (laughs) I think Jim was doing it before Clay. We'll have to ask him. But uh, 81 NFL draft, second-round pick by the Broncos. And that 1,000-yard season in 80 was notable, which brings us to a stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Clay Brown was the first tight end and second player in BYU history with a 1,000-yard receiving season. Outstanding. I mean, that's legit. And of course, of course, he's known for the Miracle Bowl catch in 1980. Down by six now, three seconds left. The SMU 41-yard line. McMahon all the way back in his own 46, throwing for the end zone. Receivers are there. Defenders are there. It is in the end zone. Who has the ball? Indeed, unbelievable. In fact, I think Clay still has that football clutched in his hands 40 years later. He joins us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline, making his show debut. Clay, great to have you on BYU Sports Nation. Welcome. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. How often do you discuss the play that we just heard again these days? You know, these days, not near as much. (laughs) Um, You know, 20, 30 years ago, it's one thing. But, uh, you know, it comes up, you know, four or five times a year. And and I get to go down memory lane and and remember just a a fantastic time in my life. And, um, you know, it was a lot of fun. Well, let's start there. Walk us through knowing you are one play away from maybe pulling off some kind of miracle here. The play call comes in. Obviously, it's Hail Mary, right? But what do you remember about the huddle and then your route and that whole situation? Um, You know, about the huddle, I don't know that I I remember a lot other than the fact that, you know, it's the last game and, guys, we got to get up here and and, and do it. And, uh, you know, I was kind of the centerpiece of that thing and the actual design of the play was maybe for me to tip the ball and and one of the wide receivers coming in from the outside or or the running back coming up the middle might get the deflection and and make the score and and it just happened to land into my hands. 
But uh, yeah, it was just it was just about get up to the line of scrimmage and get down the field as fast as you can. Walk walk me through the moment where you see the ball and think, oh, it's coming right at me here. <laughs> um, boy, you're really tugging on my memory. I was <laughs> an old guy now. Um, well, I, you know, I was running down and, and uh, uh, Jim had done this before in practices where he just throws the heck out of the ball, goes so far up in the air that, you know, you're just waiting and waiting and waiting and you can run so far before it comes down. And I just was directing myself towards the ball. And, um, and so I, you know, just turned and looked and was kept going and going right to where it was going to be. And it was right to where I was running, I guess. I don't know. But uh, I do remember going up. I do remember the ball coming between there was a guy over the top of me and he had his hands out like that. And it's like, all right, thank you. <laughs> I'll catch it right here. And um, it just, it got through amazingly. It got through. And um, the thing that, that I probably remember the most about the catch was not the catch was hanging on to the football <laughs> because there were guys that was, I, I'm glad I spent some time in the weight room because my arms were exhausted by the time they got me up off the ground and guys tugging at the ball, trying to rip it away from me. And there was just no way. <laughs> Clay Brown with us on BYU Sports Nation. The celebration after, I'm sure, was epic. What do you remember about the moments immediately following the play, realizing we just pulled off the greatest bowl comeback in the history of the game, and that probably still stands today? You know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know that, that it struck me as... as the, the the greatest play in, in uh, college football play, the greatest BYU football play, I don't know that, that it struck me as that. Where it struck me was that we finally did it. And, and I was, I couldn't wait to get over to Lavelle and just say, Coach, thanks for believing in me. Thanks for having me here. We got it. And I was just so proud to be able to to say that to him and that was a significant moment for Lavelle he said uh you know that was a huge moment winning that first bowl game and the context of that let's talk about 79 because we have always said hey 79 is underrated man 11 and 0 play Indiana in the bowl game unfortunately Brent Johnson misses a field goal that would have won it and capped a, an undefeated season you guys felt the pressure of needing to win that game and really validating an incredible season in 1980 and it literally took a miracle to do it. Yeah, it, it did. Yeah, we had a tremendous run uh, in 79. I mean, when you go 11-0 and 0 and go into the final game of the season, uh, to, to end up with the loss was, you know, discouraging to say the least. But, but it didn't, uh, didn't take away from all the accomplishments that we had. But, uh, yeah, we had a really good team that year too. And when you think about it, we lost two games. We lost two games in two years, and they happened to be back-to-back, one at the end of the season and the first one in 1980. Clay Brown, the best to ever wear number 85 at BYU with us on BYU Sports Nation. Uh, Clay, you obviously had some close-knit ties with Lavelle, not just because of that game, but because of your entire career. And, of course, he was such a father figure to so many. Why did you want to play for BYU and Lavelle when he was recruiting you? (laughs) I didn't know I did. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I was just a, I was just a poor Catholic kid that, um, 
uh, ended up at a Mormon university and, and <laughs> I got there. I don't know. We had a, we had a coach who had coached with Fred Whittingham in high at a competing high school who moved over to our school. And, um, he said, Hey, would you consider this? And I said, yeah, you know, I was, I was hoping I was going to be playing at USC or UCLA. You know, I was the LA kid and, um, the, the, the reasons I went to BYU, I really don't know. Um, I, a scholarship was certainly an attraction. I had no idea, you know, when I went up on my recruiting trip, Lavelle told me that they had a thousand yard rusher and Jeff blank. And, you know, I was thinking, okay, I'm going to play football in college. And, you know, I had no idea (laughs) passing school in the country. They, they just made that, just made that change. And, um, it just, uh, I played some running back and I was a running, running back in a wishbone offense in high school. And, and so, uh, being able to get the ball in my hands was, you know, it was a familiar thing, and, but I had no idea, no idea that BYU was going to be running the offense that they were running, that they were going to be as successful as they were and that I would be able to uh, just live a dream. It was right place, right time, and, and God only knows how I got there. In 1980, Jim McMahon becomes the first 4,000-yard passer in, in the history of the game, and you're a huge part of that. That was awesome. You were, you were listed at 6'3", 225. You'd be a wide receiver now. You wouldn't be a, a tight end, right? It was a different era. Oh, no, I would still be a tight end. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't quite that fast. <laughs> would, you, would you have I, to I'd today have to, bulk I'd up? I'd take a couple of minutes off my 40, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Add 20 pounds, eat a lot of peanut butter and that kind of thing. Were you the best yeah. um, pass catcher slash punter in BYU history? Um, well, I, I don't know that I was the best punter. I had a great year. My junior year, I had, um, you know, Mike Meese, uh, I owe my punting title to him. He would come in and do a lot of the coffin corner kicks and I get, get to boom it away. Um, but I'm probably the only tight end who also punted for BYU. So I, I guess I, I qualified there. <laughs> and, and Jim McMahon also punted in so 1978. How, how did that work? Um, you know, Jim and I met out on the practice field, um, during the summer before he came to school there and yeah, he and I would, would punt back and forth. Um, and, and that was part of our workout. We, we got to kick to each other and, and as well as throw, uh, to each other. And, um, I mean, I, I've been a punter all, all my, uh, high school career and I was always kicking the ball. I mean, that's what we did when we were kids, you know? I mean, you didn't have you didn't have Nintendo or or PlayStation or anything. You went down to the school. You brought a ball. If friends were there, you played football. If they didn't, you kicked the ball down to one end of the field, run down and get it, kick it back the other way. And uh, so punting was always just something that I, I I enjoyed doing. I could I could kick pretty well. So um, I don't know. It it, uh, it 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 was fun and and I had some success and I had a great coach that year. Gary's honor um, really dialed my my kicking in. Um, he was he was a great coach. Clay, we'll finish with this. Jim McMahon has a documentary coming out called Mad Mac. What's your favorite Jim McMahon story from your playing days in Provo? <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, there's so many. Um, <laughs> I do remember, okay, the, the one thing I remember is that the first uh, summer that we were working out before he started school at, at BYU, uh, we were we were walking off the field, and uh, he had said he said to me he says you know before I leave this school I'm going to win the Heisman Trophy, and I thought you brash little snot <laughs> come here and you're a freshman and you're winning the Heisman Trophy already, and I'll tell you what that um, not to take anything away from George Rogers he had a great year. But, uh, of course, my boy, um, he, he, deserved the, he deserved the Heisman Trophy. He was an incredible leader. He was an incredible player. He, had, he just had a knack and, and had confidence, and, and uh, he could motivate people and just, just by being him. And um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, I look back and didn't laugh, and I thought he was so cocky at the time, but you know, I, I don't argue about it now. I think he should have. Yeah, he backed it up. Clay, it's great to see yeah. you in the uh, BYU Royal Blue Polo and fantastic to have you make your show debut. Thank you so much for the time. All right, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me, guys. You got it. Clay Brown on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. I've always wanted to talk to Clay, and this is the first time. That so, was awesome. So that was great. Uh, by the way, 80, uh, Jim McMahon finishes fifth in the Heisman. Should have been higher. In 81, he finished third to uh, little-known players, Marcus Allen and Herschel yeah, Walker. You know. So it was stiff competition, absolutely. Okay, coming up, Coaches on Bikes give us, us a quarterback breakdown. And who earns our rise and shout-out today? Stay with us on BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Station available anytime on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Our question of the day, how many games do you want to see BYU schedule in 2020 and why? Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort at Malmom03 on Instagram. All of them. All the games. Let's play every team left standing at the end of the month. Love it. Today's rise and shout out. BYU still playing, so it goes to BYU. And Brett McMurphy of Stadium tweeted out, uh, all the uh, FBS teams still playing. The ones in red are not playing. So BYU is buying itself in the West. So well done, Cougars. Keep it going at BYU Uniforms. Used to be the Notre Dame of the West. Now BYU is the college football of the West. <laughs> still going. We're still going. Our thanks to today's guests, Aaron Roderick and the great Clay Brown. Guard to Dennis Pitta. No time. For Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton. Shout out to Jeff Blank. We'll see you tomorrow on BYU Sports Nation. Coaches on bikes were just a little bit too slow today, so you're going to have to go to the yeah, internet they to see. Yeah, they got to speed up, You got to go to Twitter to see this. Speed it no. up, boys.